0: Hello from your favorite Grasslands PR team. We're back this week with another reason why these overlooked and underappreciated ecosystems are, objectively, the best biome. I'm Rachel. I'm Alan. And I'm Nicole.
1: And today, we're going to be talking about the lovely, the wonderful, the surprisingly very wholesome, like I tried to get dirt on this animal and
0: couldn't. Hmm. Painted dog.
2: Okay. So <laughs> we were just, so we, we're just yeah. Okay. You
0: guessed that it was about painted dogs.
2: Um, I did. Did I? Did did I plant the seed in your head, or were you already like wanting to do this?
1: I was trying to decide between them and a different dog, and mm. I was like, well, it has to be painted dogs because yeah. they're better anyway. So a good one.
2: Yeah, it's a yeah. good one.
1: Some like kind of general facts about painted dogs before we get a little bit more into like the stuff that I like like their social life Mm. um they are the only member of their genus um at least living member there was one other member in the genus that is now extinct and went extinct in the ice age um and they do very much prefer
0: (laughs) ice age just killing so many good animals yeah
2: it's true it's really disappointing to be alive now as Mm -hmm. opposed to 12,000 years ago
1: Mm -hmm. there's some things though that i'm okay with not sharing this
0: earth with
2: nope no give it all or nothing
0: okay we could be in glaciers right now yeah that sounds cold
2: yeah sounds amazing it's a it's like 128 degrees outside right now
0: it'd be so much easier to larp
2: (laughs) we could larp on a glacier (laughs) (laughs) there'd be there could be an actual uh like short-faced bear there yeah we were, probably wouldn't even need to LARP. I think it'd just be real it'd just life. Be survival. Would just be very exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exciting gosh. in the sense that there is high stakes constantly. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Hmm.
3: Well,
1: <laughs> alas, <laughs> we are not in the ice age anymore. Okay. We only have one uh, species of painted dog left, so mm-hmm. it is what it is. I guess. What was the other one? I can't remember the species name. Okay.
2: Were they also painted?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean hard to say, I suppose, but it's assumed.
2: Did they look better? They were bigger. Is bigger better? I don't know. (laughs) Well... Okay. <laughs> I don't are, know. are we being helpful co-hosts? I don't I think can't we're being tell. helpful
0: co-hosts. I think we're just really deep. She hasn't had a moment to do her actual outline.
1: <laughs> right, Every we... time, it's happens. fine.
0: No, 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 no. Mm. It's good. It's like we Nicole takes a moment to read over her notes, and we're like, "This means we need to." I fill didn't up. even
1: pause that time. <laughs> you cut me off
0: in sentence.
2: <laughs> okay. 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 All right. Here we go. Here we go. let's let's take a deep breath everyone listener too let's all say a quick affirmation about ourselves okay um and then we'll move on with the episode okay okay nicole you start
1: why do i have to start
2: Ah, fine i'll start (laughs) okay i am a good co-host
0: oh yeah (laughs) oh no (laughs) i have an okay voice do better that was, you you was almost great voice i have a silky smooth npr voice
2: <laughs> all right that's going in for sure <laughs>
0: amazing <laughs> if nothing else at the
1: after credits um i really like painted dogs i <laughs> that's not about you i know <laughs> okay i'm good at research and writing outlines that we sometimes stick
3: to
2: oh my gosh that's really great nicole <laughs> <laughs> is, there, is there a point on your outline that you'd like to start telling us about? Mm-hmm. This really good outline you did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super. <laughs> I ask because I'm a good co-host.
0: Thank you. Yes. And we were all painted by the same brush that painted the painted doll. <laughs> <laughs> Like I said,
1: they are unfortunately the only remaining member of their species, Mm -hmm. um, but they do very much prefer grassland and savanna ecosystems. They actively have been shown to avoid forests, actively avoid deserts. There was like one, because there's always an exception, there was one pack that was known to live in a forest environment um, and it lived there for several years until eventually moving out of it. Um, So always an exception to the rule, but that's okay. Their territories are very, very large, which is a conservation concern, which we will get into later. Um, And they move around a lot. They move with food availability, uh, seasonality, things like that. Contact with other packs is very, very low. So they actively do avoid each other. Again, I tried really hard to like find dirt on these guys. (laughs) Like, are they secretly little mobsters like meerkats? No, they just totally avoid each other. They try really, really hard to just live their chill, painted dog life in their own packs and do their own thing, and just hang out. Wait, doesn't that
0: does that not get really incestuous? So no, <laughs> they do. St-
2: <laughs> no, it's asking the right question. It yes. is no, it,
0: it's a good question. Uh, they
1: they will move out of their natal pack, the pack that they were born into. Specifically, something kind of unique is that. It's often actually the females that oh, are moving cool. out of their natal pack and the males are staying behind, so kind of interesting. interesting are they
0: matriarchal or patriarchal?
1: They are mostly matriarchal so there's a lead female, a lead male, and the lead female does a lot of the uh you know deciding on what's gonna happen
3: yeah okay
2: yeah. so they just have like they just trade babies uh between packs and do all that good
1: mm-hmm. okay basically. <laughs>
2: Very nice. Yeah, is dude, there, like, um Yeah. Is there any sort of I don't know, um, like what's that exchange like? Is there an it, adoption
0: board? Yeah. Do they like meet under cover of darkness and exchange children? Yes. I don't think it's that extreme.
1: It is very specific though. Like oh. this was mentioned multiple times across multiple papers and like websites and stuff. It's going to be like sisters. And brothers leaving at the same time. So it's very rare for, like, a single dog to leave a pack. It's going to be, like, her and her sisters or him and his brothers. And they kind of,
0: like, exchange sibling groups a lot of times. Whoa. Yeah. And not, like, multi, like, sex groups, but, like, specifically the brothers or the sisters.
1: Yes. Yeah. You won't find, like, a brother and sister leaving the same pack and going to a new pack. That just does not happen.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Do you think it's because they love each other and they're like, oh. I don't want to go to this new family without my brother?
1: I mean, I choose to believe so. Again, <laughs> painted dogs. <laughs> painted dogs,
0: very
2: wholesome. Mm. I, it's
1: just everywhere I looked, nothing but adorable facts. Mm. So
0: Aww. I believe it.
2: Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. That is nice.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What if it's more like, I want to go to this new pack? And you, my sister, have no choice. Oh, You're coming, coming with,
1: with
2: me. me. It also sounds like it's like the you know the mother of the pack being like, "You three,
3: <laughs>
0: get out of here." <laughs>
1: <Yes>. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She, the once, especially with females, like the pack dynamic is very interesting. And a lot of times there tends to be just one female in a pack, right. at least one breeding female. She, she won't boot out her kids um, when they're still young, but as they get older, she will kind of like pressure them into leaving eventually, mm. at least with her daughters. Her sons can stay. They can be caretakers of the next pups, um, but her daughters, she will kind of eventually push out and they have a much higher, much higher chance of being able to breed if they leave that pack. So they have yeah. good reasons to leave too.
2: Interesting. So, okay. Yeah. So how often then do you get like packs splintering off from each other?
1: It seems to happen like pretty frequently. It seems like all of the studies that I was reading, like there were some that were very specific, like to the individual and following this individual for like years and watching how it integrates with new packs. Like Hmm. very, very cool because they're, since their coats are so colorful, they're very easily identifiable. Oh, yeah. And it's not yes. – even, like, the left side and the right side aren't the same. So it's not a symmetrical design, like, across the spine. Okay. Like, so they have very, very unique colors, which makes them make them really good research subjects. Yeah. Because you can follow an individual throughout its whole life. Right. Um, so there's a lot of studies that do that. And um, they did find that groups – like changed a lot. Like there was a lot of turnover on who was leading the pack. There was a lot of turnover on who entered and left the pack. And like overall very little squabbling. Like there wasn't a lot of fighting. Like there it wasn't like like with hyenas and a lot of other pack animals. Like they are chasing the youngsters out of the pack. Mm. Like they don't have a choice. (laughs) But with painted dogs, it really seems like it's Everybody just is chill with each other. It's very fluid. Um, there was one study that was kind of interesting that did show some pack failures. Um, and really it came down to like did the mated pair get along or not? Oh. So it it was more like social, like socially did they get along. It wasn't like were they good hunters or like were they strong enough? Like it was like, did they get along socially? And Mm -hmm. if they didn't, then they would split up. So, like, the, like, mate trial period for painted dogs can be really long, like, up to a year or more.
0: How long do they live?
1: <laughs> Not very long. Oh, no. <laughs> Their whole lives are a trial. Yeah. Um. So, there's there's plenty of examples of them living six-plus years. And once you're six years old, like, you are going to be the head of your pack. Like, you have the experience. No one is going to mess with your authority. But, like... Mortality is extremely, extremely high in these guys. I think I have it written somewhere in my notes. We'll probably get to it. But I want to say, like, a lot of them don't make it to their first year. And even if they do make it to their first year, like, I think the average for some of the papers that I was reading was, like, three, four years old, which is, like, rodent life expectancies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah, it's bad. They, They just... They have a lot of things that they are struggling with
3: in the wild. Dang. Aww.
0: Yeah. But one thing they're not struggling with is acceptance into whatever new group they want to join. Yeah. With yeah. the approval of their parents in leaving.
2: That's right. Mm-hmm. They aren't struggling with, you know, those intense family dynamics and, um, yeah, interspecies violence. So,
3: yeah.
2: way to go, guys. Yeah. Good job. You're such a gentle creature. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. They're really not but...
1: (laughs) I mean, they're hunters. They have to hunt to survive, but with each other, they're very gentle. Yeah,
2: right. Of course. Yes. That's nice. Mm -hmm. Mm.
3: Mm.
1: Um, But yeah, and something else that varies a lot, not just like the pack, like composition, but the pack size can vary a lot. It could just be a, a mated pair. So just two animals and then they're young. It could be... A couple generations, um, but average pack size is about like nine animals, but you can see packs of over 20 animals. And historically, packs of 20 to 30 animals were much more common, but now it is much more common to have, like I said, an average of about nine. So,
2: Just based on what the habitat supports um like how fragmented it is so yeah. essentially yeah yeah okay.
1: since they need so much space um and the habitat is very fragmented it's just not able to support larger pack sizes that makes sense yeah
2: so what are, what are the other drivers of their mortality then um like why i mean okay um like most other large african carnivores live longer mm-hmm. but quite a lot um so what, what's going on with these guys? Why why so low?
1: So the three like main ones that I found were actually those large African predators killing painted dogs. Oh, no. <laughs> so lions are a huge predator uh, towards painted dogs just because they view them as competition. They don't ever, well, I hate to say ever, but they usually don't like eat the dogs after they kill them. They just kill them and walk away. Mm-hmm there's a lot of disease vectors between painted dogs and domestic dogs, including rabies and uh, something else. It's in my notes. I don't remember what it was. Um, and then, uh, just human conflict is a huge portion of their mortality.
2: Mm. Okay. Just people viewing them as a nuisance. And yep. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And a lot of that comes just from, uh, misinformation. You know, people find a dead cow, they see painted dogs around, they assume the painted dog killed the cow. But there have been studies that show painted dogs very much prefer, you know, gazelle and other wild animals. There was one, I think it was like 1.5% of this pack's kills was uh, domestic livestock. So very, very small. But I mean, we've talked about this before. It's it's your livelihood, and mm. even if you lose just one animal, that can be significant. So, I get it. Yes, yeah.
2: especially if you're yeah like a smaller scale farmer. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's actually pretty comparable to like the level of livestock, like livestock deaths that are attributable to wolves mm. in this country. Mm. Um, so it's like, but you also look at how like heavily you know like how heavily demonized wolf conservation is and how how controversial that is so i mean i I get it people Mm -hmm. just don't like carnivores living near them
3: yeah
2: um you know i get it yeah (laughs) yeah unless unless uh except in our houses Mm we we like those we we pretty exclusively populate our houses with carnivores yeah yeah
0: also it's so easy for like us in america to be like Oh wow! You can't handle living with a bunch of like giant apex predators. That's like crazy. When we we have we don't have yes. any yeah, around right, us. Like right. most people in our country don't live around any apex predators anymore because we killed them all. Yeah. yeah, and like we killed them all because we couldn't handle living around them. So mm-hmm. like we can shut up. <laughs>
2: yes. <laughs> yes, we can. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um. So okay, you said they are. Do do they like tend to pursue? You said they prefer wild animals. Are they a? Um, do they pursue live prey more? Uh, as a you know, as as a habit rather than scavenge? Because I was wondering, I like a lot of these like conflicts with other predators happening around kill sites and that kind of a thing. Um, is that where the is that where they're like butting up with each other? Or is it just like lions see a painted dog and they're like, nope, absolutely not. (laughs) And then chase it and murder it.
1: Yeah. I think it's a little bit of both, but specifically there was a lot of, um, stealing of painted dog kills by lions and by hyenas as well. Wow. Um, painted dogs are extremely good hunters. Mm. Uh, there's been like studies of specific packs that, that see success, success rates of like 80 to even 90% of their attempts are successful. Wow. So, yeah they are very 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 good predators compared to like other like cheetahs have like a 10 percent success rate and lions is like 20 or 30 so they are very very good at what they do and a lot of that just comes down to how coordinated they are in their attack um, they are also very very uh, good runners so they have um, like just the endurance that they have is an extreme for a lot of predators Um, they do, they will, if they have to run an animal for like a mile or more before taking it down, most of their hunts are much shorter than that because they are fairly fast. I think they run like 40 to 45 miles an hour, but they can keep up like a 40 mile an hour run for a mile. Like, yeah, it's not just like a sprint. Like that's their like loping speed. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Terrifying. Mm hmm. Mm hmm
1: very very good at what they do (laughs) so coordinated no they can even take down prey like much much bigger than themselves so painted dogs only weigh like 60 to 70 pounds which is about 30 kilograms and not often but they will go after animals like wildebeest which can weigh hundreds of pounds um (laughs) and they will take them down successfully Admittedly, they are often going for like young or injured animals, but there have been some documented cases of them taking down like full grown male wildebeest and even buffalo
0: and doing it successfully. Dang. Yeah. Wow.
2: That's impressive. Yeah.
0: Impressive. No wonder the lions feel threatened. (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
1: Hmm. They use, uh, they have a very specific way of killing as well. I'm not going to get like gory, please. Um, (laughs) but they will grab onto the animal's nose and it's called a twitch. Mm -hmm. And so this is actually, this humans use this technique too, but painted dogs use it to kind of, I'll I'll get into it. Don't make those faces. (laughs) painted dogs use it uh to kind of incapacitate the animal so they grab onto the nose it releases a bunch of endorphins and it puts them into a catatonic state (laughs) and then the other dogs just like pile onto it and tear it down and start ripping it apart
2: so wait that's like like, a prey response yeah it like
0: pinches a nerve in their nose (laughs) oh i see um and it puts them into a catatonic state
2: Gotcha. Yeah, it's like that
0: thing that all prey animals or a lot of prey animals have Mm -hmm. uh, to cope with being eaten alive. (laughs) Oh, yes. You know, the Mm -hmm. automatic body response of just like shut everything down. Yeah, I don't exist anymore Mm -hmm. so that I don't feel my flesh being torn from my body. Yeah,
2: that's nice really. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: But yeah,
1: humans will use this with like horses and bulls if you have like a wild horse or a wild bull. I, I would not recommend doing this. I'm always a proponent of like, you know, positive training positive reinforcement training but apparently you can just grab a horse's nose and it'll just like zone out
2: (laughs) (laughs) oh good to know Mm -hmm. there's like an off switch on a horse yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: and i don't think if i had an animal that was like crazy enough that like i felt like i needed to do that to, i don't think i want my hand near its mouth but you know true it's a thing
2: have you ever been bit by a horse
1: i haven't and i'd like to keep it that way (laughs) have
0: you
2: oh no no i'm just curious (laughs) I've been bitten by a lot of animals, but (laughs) not that one. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: You look like you wanted to say something.
0: Oh, I was just going to say that when they are in a catatonic state, you also cannot trust them either because they can snap out of it just unpredictably and then you get your face kicked in. So,
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know. Yep. But you can't kick in nine faces at once. It's the benefit of cooperation. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Way to go, painted dogs.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Amazing.
2: What did we... What were we just talking about? Hunting. <laughs> Off Hunting and how good they are at yeah. it. Yes.
1: The only other thing that I kind of wanted to talk about with their hunting techniques is that they typically go for animals that are not overly defensive. And that's p- probably part of the reason why they are su- so successful. Um. So they tend to avoid things like zebra and warthogs, but will take them on occasionally if the need arises and there was this really fun story that I found about a painted dog that was a warthog expert, <laughs> and it, it taught the rest of the pack how to take on warthogs successfully. Oh, so so very very fun. I will say, unfortunately, after that animal died, they did stop going after warthogs. I guess they just <gasps> yeah. they just didn't feel confident enough to take them on anymore.
0: Oh, um, without the expertise. But, what was mm. the technique? Do you
1: know? I don't know. Oh. I went. I, it probably involved like that that twitching technique with grabbing the nose um but yeah it's it was just a really fun little story that i found
2: there's a lot of pointy ends to a warthog face though yeah be careful yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and they are
1: very fast and defensive so Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah very 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 good hunters um but let's let's dive more into their social life and how the pack is made up we've talked about this a little bit but i have some more that i wanted to talk about um, So they are one of the few animals where it seems like the leader isn't picked solely on like physical prowess. So it's not like the strongest or the biggest animal or like the most aggressive animal that is going to be the leader. I am purposefully not using the word alpha just because I hate it. But that's what we mean. It's the alpha, <laughs> if that's more terminology that you're used to. But... <laughs>
2: What if we said um,
0: the dominant, the dominant, the dominant, the leader, mm-hmm.
2: leader, yes, the top dog, <laughs> CEO, <laughs> the top dog, top dog. <laughs> yes, uh. <laughs> yeah,
1: the top dogs are not 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 picked on that. It's picked on something that we're not honestly one hundred percent sure. So whether it's like. The most social animal, or just the animal. A lot of times, it just is based on expertise. So, like older animals tend to get into that leadership uh, role most most often. If there is an animal, like I said earlier, that manages to reach five, six, seven years old, you're always going to see it in a leadership capacity in its pack that it just always. It's just managed to outsurvive the other leaders that were there before it. <laughs>
2: okay. So seniority over qualifications is what I'm hearing.
0: Yeah. Seniority is the qualification. Well in expertise guess, yeah. and you're
1: you're probably gonna be the That's best true. hunter. That's true. You're going to know your pack very well. That's so you'll true. be able to socially engage with them in appropriate ways. Very nice. There's a lot there's a lot going on. Anyways <laughs> There were multiple instances of pack leaders like missing a limb or uh, having like missing a tail, which tails are very important in communication with painted dogs Mm -hmm. and dogs in general. So it's there's something else going on as far as like how they pick their leaders, Mm. um, which I thought was very interesting.
0: Yeah, because that's like taking away a lot of the skills that you would expect to see in a leader in like a dog pack or whatever. Yes. Like, you know having four fully functional limbs yes, or being able to communicate effectively. (laughs) Yes. Yeah.
2: That does seem pretty essential. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Is it really, is it known like um, in terms of like how, like is, is is it just based on the age structure of the pack or is there, is there some like, is there some other selection mechanism for how they decide like, okay, this is the dog we're all going to listen to.
1: Uh, I, so again and again, like people were like, oh, so mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> there's a lot of it is definitely age, but like there were also examples of um, like a group of young males coming in and they boot out the adult, the adult male that was previously leader and one of them becomes leader. So it's not just seniority. Um, and something else interesting is once a leader loses their leadership role, they usually stay within the pack. They're not like run off. Um, which again is, I feel like fairly unique with pack animals. Um, like a lot of times like that leader is like killed or Mm -hmm. at least ran off, but a lot of times they just take a subordinate role and just keep going about life.
2: Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Usually (laughs) with a lot of species, the dominant male or female is, yeah, they're usually like taken out and that's how the pack structure changes so Mm -hmm.
0: fanatics of meerkat Manor know that this can create a lot of drama and Mm -hmm. really deeply sad moments when your favorite leader is often a burrow alone dying of Mm -hmm. injuries ouch yeah Yeah.
2: so pack structure is really not stable then because all this is happening within the span of like one year Mm -hmm. right or like you know like um because their lifespans are so short, right? Yeah. And the the degree of exchange between packs is so high that it's really not a stable structure at all.
1: No, it's constantly changing, like year to year. So, like it's not unusual or unheard of for like one pack mem- pack to be led by a leader for at least two or three years, um, but it's also not unusual for a pack to change leader year after year. So, hmm. yeah,
2: keeps things fresh. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Mm-hmm. People shouldn't be running an organization for like, you know, 25 years. You know what I Uh mean? uh Like you're not going to be able to keep abreast of all the changes within Mm -hmm. your industry. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? You need to occasionally. All right. You know what? (laughs) Do you (laughs) you want to go back to your outline, Nicole? (laughs) No, I love it. Just saying, we can learn lessons from painted dogs. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Mm -hmm.
1: Back to painted dogs and how lovey-dovey they are. Um, (laughs) (laughs) they also, something else unique about them is that they will take care of their sick and their elderly. Um, they'll go out on hunts and they'll regurgitate food for dogs that are back at home and not just the pups. Like it's the sick, the elderly, anyone that, you know, the caretaker that were taking care of the pups while everyone else was out hunting. There's a lot of cooperative care in a painted dog pack, which is really,
0: really nice. Okay. Okay. Cool.
2: We think of that as being probably a bit of a rarity, you yeah. know, that level of empathy within mm-hmm. a, um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I did find several, like, not scientific papers, but several websites. Yeah, oh my God. That, you know. <laughs> Again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nicole. <laughs> that likened this to altruism and, you know, how kind and, you know, whatever that they are. Uh, National Geographic <laughs> says, and I quote, uh, though the bigger the clan, the more efficient the hunt, non-breeding adults sacrifice their own nourishment to ensure the pups in the group get enough to eat and grow. To to an extent. This next part I couldn't find any information on, so grain of salt. Subsequently, these altruistic elders tend to gradually become malnourished and die younger than their peers and packs with fewer offspring.
0: Hmm. Wow.
1: So... I couldn't find anything that supported that, like, as far as, like, taking care of pups or taking care of, like, the elderly or other members of the pack to their own detriment. Mm-hmm. I mean, I imagine that if if food is scarce, the pups are just going to die. Like, let's just be real. Pups die all the time. It's really hard to make it to your first year your first birthday as a painted dog mm, or sure. as like a carnivore or
0: animal in the wild in general, but man, so, like taking care yeah. I mean, did you find anything about like it it, it sounds like what they're saying is mm-hmm. that for packs that have more young mm-hmm. that the adults fare worse, yeah, in those packs because they're spending so much effort taking care of the young. Mm-hmm. that seems realistic. Yeah, it would yeah, make sense. to an extent. Yeah. yeah, or like, yeah,
1: but I couldn't find anything as far as like adults dying younger mm. when there are more pups. Yeah, I'm not gonna say it's completely out of left field and that it's impossible, but I couldn't find any like scientific data to back it up. Yeah, it's interesting. Okay. though. yeah, I also couldn't find anything about like. Well, I found one example of infanticide with painted dogs and it was a lead female killing um a subordinate's litter um but only one which was Mm. really surprising because like meerkats they're killing babies all day long right and a lot of other animals lions kill babies all day long Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but i only found that one example for painted dogs Mm. so
0: especially for a group like you said that there's only one breeding female allowed in a pack so like for that to be true and for them to be very little infanticide seems wild to me. Like they just obey the social structure. Like, wow. Okay. Yeah.
1: And I will say, so we thought that that, that really was only the lead male and female doing like most of the breeding, but there's a really fun study that I found like literally like last night um, (laughs) that kind of turned that on its head a little bit and we'll go more into it. So yeah. And I, I, there's a lot of animals that are like this where we have a lot of like assumptions because like we see a lead female and a lead male hanging out a lot or you see like two birds hanging out together on a nest and you're like oh it's so cute they're monogamous but there's a lot of non-monogamy <laughs> going on like yeah yes
0: it's everywhere we're applying a human lens to all of our <laughs> biological understanding yes for hundreds of years yeah yeah so yeah we'll get into it it's it's interesting though I love that we're undoing that work with yeah. painted dogs. Yeah. yeah. Rip away the assumptions. Let's find out how weird they are. Yes. Yeah. Not weird. Normal. How, how, what their, what their normal is. Yes. Yeah. There we go. There we go.
3: Yes.
1: Um, and we, we talked about this a little bit, but I wanted to talk about like how males and females differ. So the males stay with their home pack usually, and the females are the one dispersing and starting new packs. And it's also been found that those new packs well with with any female a young female with her first litter um, that litter is going to be mostly males her second litter will be split male and female and then subsequent litters will be um, heavily female. As far as why, interesting. <laughs> we're not 100% sure, but one theory that I thought was interesting was that this helps ensure the future survival of a pack because by getting a bunch of males first, they're going to stay with the pack. Those mm. animals are going to be caretakers, they're going to be good hunters, um, and they're going to help her raise future litters. And then when you have females later in, like, a few years, um, again, those females often are moving on to other packs. Um, it's eliminating competition because she doesn't have other females trying to uh, raise litters underneath her. Um, and it's also eliminating pack members leaving at the start of a pack being formed. Okay. So.
2: So there – so the, the sex ratios, like – significantly change yes within litters like Mm -hmm. generationally yeah is there an idea of how the mechanism for that works because like these are mammals they have like a sexual chromosome like it's not yeah like there's not you know how, how is that what Yeah, right? Yeah.
1: I had the same question. I couldn't find a lot of information on it. Mm -hmm. I did find a really in-depth and kind of gross dog blog that was talking about apparently dogs also, like domestic dogs. Um, You can guess at the sex ratio depending on the age of the animal um so if the animals are similar in age i believe you have more females whereas if there's a disparity disparity in ages you'll have more males so you can it's some they went into gross detail about anatomy that i'm not going to go into right now i was gonna say you said it
0: was gross and that i'm waiting for the gross part yeah i'm I'm, gross about it i'm not gonna go into (laughs) it it
1: it's yeah it's nasty um like it's it's normal in human in like it's just anatomy, but I'm not going to talk about it on the podcast. Cool, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's. I think it has something at least with domestic dogs. It definitely is age related, so I would imagine that maybe something similar is happening with painted dogs. Um, but I couldn't find an exact mechanism for how it works. Mm. Um, I'm. It's. I'm going to say with some certainty that it's not actually the female controlling that. It's going to be something with like anatomy and like. Yeah.
2: Okay. But I still don't understand how a genetic consequence comes derives it's just from an anatomical change that comes with age. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Cut this part out. I'll <laughs> tell you the dog thing. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> so with dogs, mm-hmm. they found, or at least they think that it has to do with like vaginal fluid and like the ability for sperm to swim through it okay. and stuff like that. Ooh, so I like, gotcha. if it's a really and so like yeah, and, and the, depending on the the type of sperm, whether it has an X or a Y chromosome, it's either better or worse at swimming through like the vaginal fluids of either a younger or an old animal
2: i think that's important to keep in okay yeah <laughs> I, I mean that's an actual explanation for what yeah. we're talking about okay, know, i'm just leaving okay. it as a mystery don't be afraid of talking about <laughs> vaginal fluids on this podcast yeah. What's gross it, was about that, more, it
1: was more it was more in depth
0: about vaginal fluids nothing that's why i said it's normal and
1: it's fine i just didn't want to talk about it on the podcast all right <laughs> if it makes sense you're welcome to keep it in
2: it does make sense okay I'm sorry if you were listening to this at your workplace out loud, (laughs) but it makes sense, okay? now we're going to talk about fluids next.
0: Yeah. Pop pop, pop a little thing like that in there. (laughs) Sure.
1: That was the only explanation that I could find. Um, I guess it makes sense. I don't know how bodies work.
0: So do any of us? No. We're constantly (laughs)
2: figuring it out. It's an absolute mystery. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I wanted to elaborate more
1: on like the split parentage aspect like we always thought they had monogamous pairs but it turns out that's not really true um a lot of the older studies would literally look at like one litter and be like yep we confirmed it genetically that all these pups came from this mom and this dad we did it it's like well to say that's a small sample size is to put it lightly (laughs) Mm. so i found a more recent paper that um, was from 2009 And it's by far the biggest genetic study of painted dogs. They looked at 30 different litters, which is still a fairly small sample size, but much bigger than one litter. Mm -hmm. Um, And they would use, they used some kind of, like they didn't test necessarily every single litter, every single pup in a litter. They were selective about it. So if they saw... Um, multiple mating attempts um, on the, like with the lead female or, you know, things like that, then they would test that whole litter um, just to see what was going on. They found that when multiple female, multiple adult females specifically were present, lead females produced only two thirds of litters. So, you know, one third of the litters in a multi-female pack were produced by a subordinate and they actually had a lot of success raising those pups. So they weren't killed. They weren't um, like preferentially feeding um, the lead female's litter, anything like that. Okay. Um, they both had a very, not, not very successful, but they had a similar amount of success in raising those pups to adulthood. Um, They also found that it's very common uh, for impacts for there to only be one lead female pregnant or one. Sorry. It's also very common for there to only be one lead female present. So that's why like this monogamy thing has persisted so long, Mm -hmm. because even when you're doing genetic studies, I mean, if there's only one female, then of course they're all going to be hers. Um, and things like that. And they did find that overall dominant females produce 93% of pups. So it's much more common to just have that one female. But if there are multiples present, um, she's only producing two thirds of pups. So, okay.
2: Interesting. Yeah.
0: That seems like it's really skewed toward higher male populations, which makes me, like, I'm, I was yes. immediately like, okay, in, in the opposite case of this, there's often bachelor groups running around. Mm-hmm. Are there, like, bachelorette groups <laughs> of painted dogs just running around with all-female packs?
1: Yeah, I'm honestly not sure. Uh, I I So this is kind of, like, sad to think about it. You oh, get no. into it. <laughs> you get into this too much and you get sad. But I wonder if part of it, since there are fewer females produced in like mm. first and second litters painted dogs are just dying before they can produce more females <laughs>
0: oh no yeah. yeah
1: okay that makes it's, sense. it's it's like a legitimate conservation concern um like i found oh. it on uh there's two different most of this i got from two different websites um painted dog PaintedDog.org, which is a nonprofit, and then Painted Dog Research, um, which I think is also a nonprofit, and they do a lot of like on the ground research. Mm. Um, so, like, it was actually listed on those websites as a legitimate conservation concern that, yeah, it's interesting and they can make really strong packs by having a lot of males at first. But if they never get a chance to produce more females, we might get to the point where we have an uneven sex ratio. And yeah. yeah they will be not able to viably reproduce.
2: Is it already somewhat uneven? Like, I mean, like the sex ratio of the species?
1: Uh, I'm honestly not 100% sure, like overall, what the sex ratio is. I was just curious if that
2: if that eventuality had, like, begun to occur already considering how, like, their conservation status is... Right. Not great. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And if there's, like, (laughs) nine dogs in a pack and, like, there's one female. I mean, if if that's true across their range... Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And there's no bachelorette groups. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure.
2: Nope. All right. Moving on. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You can't think about it too long.
1: You get sad. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But males were even... Like, so that was the parentage of females. Males were even more evenly split. Like, it wasn't just the lead male um, producing offspring. Dominant males only produced about 55% of pups in this particular study. Um, So the rest were coming from, like, the second in command and the third in line. Mostly the second in line and then a few from the third in line. And they also found... This is, sorry, a little bit sad too. But it's interesting. They found that only 25% of painted dogs in this study survived to even be able to disperse and reach breeding age in a new pack. Mm. Um, Of those that did, 75% of them eventually did become dominant in their pack, which made them more likely to produce. So again, lots of overturning of pack leadership um, if you manage to make it to a year old, there's a really good chance that you are going to be a lead at some point. Yeah, okay.
2: So that level of infant mortality, though, kind of mm-hmm. conflicts with the idea that there are adults, established adults, that are aiding the success of of the young mm-hmm. to their own detriment. Yeah, so, and
1: that's that's why I think that that, that fun fact is a little eh, suspicious.
2: It kinda, yeah, Yeah. doesn't quite, yeah.
0: Like, mm-hmm. maybe they, they read something somewhere and, like, twisted it a little bit right. into yeah. the current iteration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It feels like
2: it's a blanket rule. Breeding adults are going to prioritize themselves. Yeah. 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 Um, so, okay, this is kind of, this is almost like a polyandrous, like, structure then, right? A I, little bit. I guess so, A little yeah. bit, yeah. Yeah, which is interesting because that feels like it's un- not the norm, again, for, mam- like, a lot of mammal species. Yeah.
1: It's, it's actually really, really common for, um, I don't remember the exact like percentage, but it was, they found that it was very, very common for one litter of pups to have multiple fathers. Um, so. Cool. Yeah.
0: Okay. Interesting. So Hmm. half siblings born in the same litter. Yeah. I like it. Mm -hmm. Wow. Sorry. My brain was immediately like, do they store sperm like birds and (laughs) then like distribute it like the way Mm -hmm. that they want to in their little sperm pouches and their vaginas? I don't know
1: how it works.
2: Maybe,
0: but yeah. If birds can do it, maybe mammals can too. Oh,
2: mm-hmm. there's like delayed you implantation, know, implantation, and yeah. other mammals. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. for sure. But yeah, I don't know exactly how it works. But I thought it was interesting that it was not only like not uncommon, but actually like like it was over fifty percent of litters were multi-sired. So, yeah, interesting. Cool. Again, it's like, how much control do they have over this? It's hard right. to say. How much thought are they putting into this? I don't know. But one of the like reasons that were given was, you know, if all three of these guys think that I sired their pups, they're all going to work really hard to help me take care of them.
2: <laughs>
0: I was like, yeah, I mean, makes <laughs> yeah, sense, right. I guess. Yeah.
2: <laughs> there's not a clear, uh, it's like the, the parentage isn't clear. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Man, that's presupposing these guys even care. I know. You know? That's true. Like, they have to have a personal stake in it. What if painted dogs just want to protect the pups for the sake of the pups? Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's. I don't mm-hmm. like that. That feels yeah. like a human lens. It does. Yeah.
2: So does them just wanting to protect the pups for the sake of the pups, though. That also feels like a human lens. That's true. Ooh. Guys, we don't understand what these dogs are doing out there. No,
0: we don't. <laughs> that's
3: true.
2: <laughs> we don't know what's going on with them. They seem to be having a great time, though. Yeah,
0: it's great. I love it. He's um, having a great time, a human lens. <laughs> <laughs> All right, never mind. I'll turn on.
2: We, yeah, we don't know if they're enjoying any of this, yeah, but they Maybe doing they hate it.
0: existence. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> they crave the abyss. Wait, oh. <laughs> <laughs> mean, that's also a human lens. That is. Oh, yeah. man. That, Terrible. That, that trait yeah. seems pretty unique to us. Uh, maybe. Uh,
3: yeah. Hmm.
1: Hard to say. <laughs> uh, one thing we do know <laughs> uh-huh. is that they are constantly communicating with each other and okay. I can't not talk about like their language because it's one of my absolute favorite things. <sighs> I'm going to keep it short. Um, but I found a extremely in-depth paper from 2000 that was like categorizing all of the different calls that they make and like what they might mean. Cause again, it's hard to say for sure what they mean. There's some like alarm calls that are pretty obvious, um, but other ones Eh, who knows what they're saying when they make these noises. <laughs> but <laughs> they identified 11 different category of calls. And those ranged from Twitters, begging cries, yelps, squeals, whimpers, whines, moans, rumbles, growls. I don't know what the difference between a rumble and a growl is, but they found a difference. Uh, barks, pack calls... And the who, which is my favorite call,
3: <laughs>
1: they go who? like a, like a, like a chip or something. It's really deep oh, and it nice. carries okay. really, really far. It was very like, if you look up videos mm-hmm. of the who call, H-O-O, um, it's very loud a lot of their other calls are like very high pitched and soft and they don't travel very far and it's hypothesized that that is on purpose since there's so many other things trying to kill them um they just like twitter and like you know make little bird noises to each other (laughs) and are just very quiet and then if they get separated or like there was examples of um if the pack was gone for a long time, maybe the babysitter will start making the who call to like check in on them and see what's going on. And that is the only call that can travel like miles. Um, otherwise, all the other ones, very short range communication. So I just thought it was fun.
3: I like it.
2: And that's, you said it travels miles? Yes. Is this who sound? Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. Is that, is that, um, I mean, is, okay, is that like equivalent to like a howling in other species of canine? Is this like a checking the density of our own population kind of situation? Is
0: oh. it like, hey, I've got some babies to exchange and meet me here at midnight?
2: <laughs> yeah, right. Like we got a fresh litter. Who needs some? Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, you did
1: notice that howling was absent from their list of calls. True. Mm. Um, So they don't howl. I don't know that hooing is like an exchange not an exchange you know what i mean
2: like it's not responded to
1: yeah i don't i don't know that it's like exactly equal to what a howl accomplishes it's it specifically was done like as a hey where are you call or Mm -hmm. like an alarm call so, if there was a lion nearby, one of them will start hooing, which is loud, and you know everyone can hear it really well, and then everyone else um will kind of gather around and start moving away from that lion um okay. but i didn't cool. see I didn't see any examples of like them doing like the who call together. um It's usually just like one animal doing it, okay, okay, yeah,
2: so how? I guess what is the inter-pack communication then? Like, how do they how do they locate each other? Do they just sniff each other out and then have a baby trade? Oh, they
0: probably pee everywhere. Is there butter involved? <laughs> I didn't look into it, but I'm sure there is. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> hmm. uh, uh, see the episode on hyenas if you're
1: confused. Yes. 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 Um, but yeah, I'm I'm sure that there's a lot of scent marking happening, uh, and they have really really good eyesight as well. And they're living in like pretty open. Areas. Sure. Um, so they have just a really good line of sight um,
0: to be able to find each other as well. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah benefits of grasslands. Yeah. Benefits everybody. of grasslands. <laughs> that was a wink sound.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. We could tell.
0: On the Well, it was an audio medium. So, yeah. I think so it's, uh, you, uh, you, yep.
2: it's the universal <laughs> wink sound. Because <Yep. laughs> <laughs> you can't, you know, like you can't wink without Make clicking your teeth. Yeah. You know. <laughs> anyway yes I believe on the Wikipedia page for this animal <laughs> there is a section devoted to sneezing yeah okay that's what, what I was going to talk about <laughs> next yes, okay. yes why were but, you
0: recently looking at the Wikipedia page for painted dogs why were you not
2: yeah why were you not that's a better uh, question
0: okay good Wow, I'm really. I'm. That's. Yeah, you're right. That's on me. I'm sorry <laughs> that I didn't do that. Okay. <laughs> but yes, that is the last vocalization that
1: I wanted to cover with sneezing. Um, they do something called sneeze voting. Um, <laughs> so.
3: <laughs> <laughs> voting? Voting,
1: yes. Uh, a lot okay. of animals we have found do seem to vote, um, <laughs> and painted dogs are no exception. Um, they specifically will sneeze vote to. V- Decide to go on a hunt, so (laughs) I love it. This is so democratic. so, (laughs) Um, So they, especially like if a lead animal starts sneezing. Um, it really only takes like two or three other dogs to be like, okay, fine, we can go hunting, and they'll all leave. But if a subordinate member starts sneezing and starts the call for the vote, essentially, it takes a lot more animals to be like, okay, fine, we can do that before they'll actually leave, which I thought was interesting. So the leader's vote matters more Mm. when it comes to voting. So not quite democratic, but... Do they have a special sneeze? I mean, it's just, it's like that, (laughs) like, when you think of like... I mean, I guess not everyone is as familiar with dog behavior as I am, but even our domestic dogs will sneeze when they play. Mm -hmm. And it's a like a submissive, like, hey, I am playing because dog play can look really aggressive. Mm -hmm. Um, But as long as you're hearing like sneezing or you're seeing like a lot of give and take, then you know that it's nice, friendly play and not aggression. So cool. Yeah
2: i'm sorry okay so yeah, no, no. It, <laughs> yeah is it like really a sneeze though is it's, or is it just like a, 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 a sharp exhalation yeah. through the nose it's
1: a sharp exhalation through the nose
2: okay because it's yeah. it's very funny to think about like it being an actual sneeze reflex uh-huh. that they're doing yeah. to themselves over and over again my mm-hmm. body wants to hunt yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah no it's
1: it's a, a a very harsh exhalation but it's cuter just to say it's sneezing so sneeze yeah. voting yeah. yeah i like that mm-hmm
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. This is very interesting. The social aspect of these animals is... It's very unusual. It um is. You know, especially compared with, like, even other canine species, it seems like it differs quite a bit.
1: Yes, it really does. Yeah, much more harmonious than a mm-hmm. lot of other, <laughs> especially canine species.
0: Yeah. But yeah. Non-violent solutions to social mm-hmm. problems in these animals. Yeah. Yes. True. You like to see it.
2: Save all that violence for other animals noses
1: yes (laughs) is they get all their aggression out that's why they're such good hunters (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. no it's because they're really good at uh communicating and working together but Mm -hmm. anyways (laughs) the last thing i wanted to touch on was their conservation status we've talked about it a little bit throughout the episode um but they are listed as threatened by the iucn did I say the letters right?
0: Yeah. Okay, you, I should you, make sure. It. As
1: it came out, it sounded weird. <laughs> it is estimated that there are less than 7,000 painted dogs remaining in the natural habitat. Uh, but they do have some protections, especially in places like Zimbabwe. They are considered um, like protected there. There's active uh, patrols that go out and make sure that they're doing okay. Things like that. Um, we talked on this a little bit, but threats include a lot of human animal conflict, as well as disease from domestic dogs. That's going to be rabies and distemper was the second one that I couldn't remember. Um, and it like, that is listed as a major like conservation concern for these guys, Mm. which I thought was interesting because a lot of times it's just kind of like a footnote. Um, but this is like one of three things that are really impacting them. Um, I did find a quote uh that goes like this um they <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. I ahead. know. I'm sorry. It no, was weird. It no, was weird.
2: It was weird. It's staying yeah that's great. Okay. I like it. That's fine. It's <laughs> like how you introduced it like a song. Okay. Uh-huh. goes a little something like this.
3: Painted dogs
0: get rabies vaccines.
2: Yeah, that's a good question. We're going to ask that in a second. Yeah. No, okay. Do your thing first.
1: They were classified as vermin from 1906 until 1975 and wow. slaughtered. For example, in Zimbabwe alone, uh during the 5-year period from 1956 to 1961, at least 2,674 dogs were destroyed. Wow. Which was a significant portion of their population. Yep.
0: In 5 years in, in just one five country. Years. Wow. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's a very similar story to Wolves and coyotes. Yep. You know? Yeah. Unfortunately, not everything can coyote like a coyote can coyote. You know what I mean? It's true. Yeah.
1: Um, and we mentioned this earlier, but a lot of this hate comes from... Uh, the perceived danger to livestock, Mm. but also um, untrue embellishments of their hunting styles. So like, it's pretty common when we think of like painted dog fun facts, um, like they run their prey to exhaustion. Like that is one tactic that they might use, but it's not the most common one. Usually the animals are taken
0: care of fairly quickly. Do you mean that people are making moral assumptions about the hunting styles of painted dogs and killing them for that reason? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow.
2: Again, it's the same things with wolves and coyotes. Yeah. It's like Mm -hmm. I don't know why it's like they're they're villainized in a weirdly inappropriate way. Yeah. That's so
0: interesting.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Mm. It's
1: pretty gnarly. Did you say you had a question, Alan?
2: Oh well, Rachel brought it up. Also, it was just uh, are they like since the wild populations are so small at this point and Mm -hmm. they are significantly threatened by disease are they doing anything to vaccinate wild populations
1: i didn't find anything about that but doesn't mean they aren't um i think a lot of the research is fairly hands off Mm -hmm. um and yeah there's also like there is a lot of money going into the conservation but still not enough um, and vaccines and being able to catch animals and work on them work on them one on one is extremely expensive mm-hmm. um so i don't I don't think that the money is there at this yeah. time would be my guess
2: yeah are there captive populations too that are they're breeding or
1: uh yes so um there have that's kind of like the sunshine at the end of all this uh nastiness um, <laughs> <Zoo>. <laughs> um, um. it's it's all well and good to uh, like breed animals in captivity, but if they're not going to be successful in the wild, it's yeah, kind of null
0: and pointless. void. Yeah, it just makes you feel good about keeping animals in captivity.
1: Yep. Um. But the good news is that with painted dogs, there have been studies looking at animals in captivity and comparing them to animals in the wild, and they find that like their social structure, their calls, like a lot of their natu- like their natural history is very similar. Um. So that Implies that there's some kind of genetic component to a lot of those behaviors, um, which means that they would h- find success if they did put those animals out in the wild. Okay. Whereas if it was something that they were learning, um, then, you know,
0: captive animals would not have success in the wild. Yeah, for such um, a social animal, that does seem like it could be disastrous. Yes. Just like turn like a totally unsocialized dog loose on the mm. plains and see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Um, but yeah, so there there
1: is a lot of hope for reintroductions into the wild, and there have been at least a few successful cases. I found one that was kind of like funny, I guess, because they had a a mom and like her three pups, and then a uh, another pack that was like a male and or three males and a female or something like that. Um, but they. <laughs> took both of these animals out of places where they were going to be destroyed um, and they brought them into captivity and put them like side by side in two different enclosures and they let them kind of interact through the gate for about a month Um, and then the animals started escaping their enclosures and like interacting with each other like escaping into each other's enclosures (laughs) Um, so they were like okay well obviously this is not working so they just took the fence out and um, like this was in the paper they were like this is how we introduce them it wasn't working, so we just took the fence out. Um, <laughs> and they did fine. They became one big pack. They were released into the wild, and they followed them for several years, and they were really successful. Um, the males actually ended up uh, leaving that pack and joining a new pack. Um, and so, like, they were doing everything that painted dogs should be doing, even though they were, like... It, it was a wild animal. I was going to say, yeah, they, yeah. they originated um, in the wild. Yes. Both
0: groups. Yes. Both
1: groups originated in the wild, but they were released like in a new area. Um, So, yeah. And they were fed for, you know, at least a month um, by humans. So there was a lot of like captivity issues that could have cropped up in this particular pack
2: or these packs. So there was exchange between the captive reintroduced population and a wild population. Yes. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and a completely unknown animal. Like, yeah. yeah,
0: So what about success stories with animals that were born in captivity though? I did find some of those as well. Yeah.
1: Not, I like not very many. Um, I didn't look into it like super hard. Um, so I don't know, like as far as like percentages or anything like that, but I did find, um, a few different examples of like specific animals being released. So,
2: fascinating.
3: Yeah. Okay.
1: And I didn't find any examples from zoos. These were like captive animals um that were that were bred in captivity, but they were in semi I guess kind of semi-wild enclosures, and theoretically zoos should also be semi-wild enclosures. Debatable sometimes. Um, but yeah.
2: I guess it'd okay. be a little more challenging than like you know the North American wolf reintroduction because those were just transplanted from other wild populations, yeah. right? If you mm-hmm. don't have a wild population to like extract from, yeah. If you if your numbers are that low, I imagine it becomes a lot more complicated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it so. sounds like it's you know there's still some yeah there's still some options there still mm-hmm. some some hope for that. Yes.
0: Yeah, and like you said, some of them that were destined to be destroyed in their you know natural mm-hmm. range, like you know those are a fair game to be taken away and reintroduced mm. somewhere else. At yeah. least, so that you're not destroying as many.
2: Exactly.
1: That, that is painted dogs in a nutshell, surprisingly wholesome animals that are extremely social, uh, take care of not just their pups, but their elderly. Um, and yeah, I love them even more. Like, like sometimes you research an animal too much and you're like, okay, I'm over it. But, <laughs> but with painted dogs, yeah. like I keep
0: wanting to learn more. Yeah. So, yeah. It's very nice. Uh well thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah, thank you Nicole for Nicole? sharing that with us. Yeah. Good good research. I did not know any of that. <laughs> cool. So I learned a lot. Wow, well, good. Cuz you
2: need to occasionally visit the Wikipedia page. <laughs> yeah, I understand animals, now okay? where <laughs> my my
0: uh, <laughs> blind spots are. I'm going to start <laughs> casually reading Wikipedia pages for yeah. every animal. Okay. Every yeah. animal. Do yeah. it. uh well thanks for listening to this episode dear listeners at home um just a fair warning uh we are going to go on break soon so we've got one more episode we're planning on releasing after this and then we're going to take a little bit of a fall break because we have just a lot of obligations mm. this fall, teaching classes and uh, doing other grasslands education work with kids and stuff. So it's just, you know, a lot going on. Yeah. And uh, we'll be back after maybe a couple months break. I
2: think maybe Halloween.
0: Halloween, Spoken. yes we want to come back for a spooky episode so one more episode before we go on a little bit of a break uh but we'll be around so stay in touch with us at all of the places you can find our links in the notes um you can still stalk us on social media and stuff we'll see you around um I forgot everything else I was supposed to say. What else did I miss, guys?
2: This is produced by our nonprofit, wrestling Groupies, and um, by our shirts.
0: Yeah, we have a merch store now. You can buy our stuff <laughs> there. People have been asking for the podcast art on a poster. We're going to work on that at some point. But like I said, we've got a lot that we're trying to do <laughs> if we're a very small team. So, true. you know, uh, stay tuned in the future. You know, we'll let you know when other stuff is happening that you can support.
2: Yes. We love you all.
0: It's true. Mwah. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Very smooth outro. <laughs> <laughs>